I am super excited about our new series that we're starting. It's called 10, 10, 80. When we put into practice God's principles, everything changes. I want to talk to you about something that seven out of 10 Americans have cried over in their lifetime. I want to talk to you about something in this series that is one of the leading causes of divorce, the leading causes of anxiety in America today. It's something that is weighing us down, and it's 101080. Have you ever uh, had a million dollar idea? You know, have you ever watched Shark Tank? It, it's crazy. I, you know, I watch it every once in a while, and they come with all these ideas, and, and, and most of them aren't very good, but I was thinking about one idea that has basically changed the world, the Snuggie, right? Think about that. Now, what is a Snuggie? It's a blanket with armholes, right? And yet they've sold literally, I don't know, tens of millions of these things. I don't know who patented that, but they're Snuggie and rich now, right? So, uh, yeah, they had a million dollar idea. This idea, this principle of God is gonna enable some of you in this room to give millions of dollars over your lifetime to God's kingdom, to do things like what we're doing in India. It's gonna allow many of you, as you put it into practice, it's gonna enable you to, to not be so anxious and stressed like most of the rest of our culture. So I want you to pull out your little sermon guide there. It's, it's there in your worship folder. And we'll kind of walk through this in the next few weeks. I want to talk about the first 10 today, the next 10 next week, 80 after that. And then we'll kind of have an overview of the whole hundred. But I want to start with what Jesus says. You know, it's interesting what Jesus says in Luke chapter 16. Sometimes when you really dig down into what scripture says, it kind of blows your mind. And Jesus does that here. He says this. In verse 10, 1610, Luke, the one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. This is really powerful. You start with just, with just that verse and Jesus says, if you're faithful in a little, then you can be trusted with a lot. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm always thinking, God, I'm dreaming big. I've got these big dreams. I just, you know, I want to do great things for you. And maybe you've even said, if you will just, you know, bless me financially like crazy, I will do big things for your kingdom. I will give like crazy. And Jesus is saying, are you sure about that? Are you sure you would really do that? Because I'm looking at what I've already blessed you with, the little and I, I, I don't see that. See, he's pretty straightforward here. He, he says that you have to show that you're faithful in the little that God has given you so that he can trust you with more. In fact, he goes on and he gets even more really into it. He says, but those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. That word cheat, it means if you're unfaithful, if you kind of like cheat God, in what you've been given. It, it kind of reminds me of the little boy that was walking to church. His parents didn't go, but every, every day, his, every Sunday, his mom would give him two quarters 
One to put in the offering plate at the little corner church that was just down the street so he could walk there and go to Sunday school and stuff. And, and the other to buy, uh, you know, something in the gumball machine at the at little corner gas station beside the church after church. And he's walking to church and he's holding his quarters and one slips out of his hands and it rolls and it falls down in this grate and it drops about 20 feet down and he's looking down there and he can't get to it and he says, oops, God, there goes your quarter. <laughs> right? We sometimes feel like that and uh, it, it's kind of like, that's what he's saying here. He says, I want you to, to know something. I want to trust you with some big things, but I've got to be able to trust you in the little things. But it, it's even bigger than that. We've been talking some about how this whole idea that this is boot camp and we're going to rule and reign with him. And he's teaching us and he's growing us and he's helping us to be overcomers in this lifetime so that we can have an eternity of ruling and reigning with God. He goes on to say, if you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you be trusted with the eternal treasures of the spiritual world? And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? This is really an amazing idea. It's the idea of stewardship, of being a manager. What Jesus is saying is, you know, this whole earthly thing, this whole money thing, it's really a test. It's a test for eternity. It's a test for how I can trust your heart. It's a test for how connected you want to be to me. And, and, and it's, a, it's a big test. And it's difficult for many of us to pass the test. He said that what happens is, you know, I, I'm watching how you do this so that I can see what I can trust you with there. In fact, he talks in another place. He says, you need to put your treasures up in heaven. There's only one way to do it is to put your wealth into making a difference in the lives of people here like we're doing in India right now, like we're doing in Burundi, Africa, the poorest country on the planet right now. And so those are the things that, that, that he's talking about. And he says, it's going to be the true riches. You don't get to keep this. This is just, you're managing it for a little while. And then it's going to go back in the box and you're going to go in the box, you know, but you, you, your spirit continues on forever. And this is what he's talking about. He goes on. He says, it's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised and the other will have your loyal devotion it's no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one and definitively reject the other. Pretty straightforward is Jesus here. He's saying you're going to fall in love with something. It's either going to be with me or it's going to be with material things. It's going to be with money. It's funny that he doesn't connect the idea of you can serve God with a lot of other things like, you know, you can't serve God in romance or you, you can't serve God in fame or you can't serve God in power. He doesn't say any of that. He says, you can't serve God and money. And the word that he uses here for serve is an interesting word. word. It's douluo in the Greek, douluo. And it, it, it's not the word serve like a paid servant. It's serve like a slave. It's a bond slave. Back in 
in Jesus' day, the Roman Empire, did you know most of the people that lived in the Roman Empire were slaves? Some had sold themselves into slavery to try to pay off some debts, that, and that was a bond slave. And, and so they would be slaves, and it's not an eight to five job. It, it, it's, it's like you are totally given over to your master. And that's what he's talking about here. You can't serve God and money. You can't, you're gonna be a slave to money if you allow that to be your master. And it's gonna start to consume you and it's gonna start to worry you and it's gonna start to cause you anxiety and it's gonna, you're gonna watch the fluctuations in the, in the market and you're gonna try to figure out always how to, how to make ends meet and all, all these kind of things. And A.W. Pink, a historian some years ago wrote this uh, and, and also a, a, a Christian. He said, these two are diametrically opposed, God and money. One commands you to walk by faith, the other to walk by sight. One to set your affections on things above, the other to set them on things that are on the earth. One to look at the things that are unseen and eternal, the other to look at the things that are seen and temporal. One to seek happiness in the creator, the other to seek happiness in the created. It, is it not plain you can't serve two such masters? So what we're gonna be talking about over these next few weeks are some amazing principles of God, this 10, 10, 80. And for some of you, it's gonna be just to review and you know that and you've been living that and you've seen it. But for most of us, it's gonna be some fresh insights that are gonna give us a freedom and a, a liberation from this whole being caught up and being a slave to material things. Um, these simple principles will be showing that we're faithful with the little that God has given us. And it's gonna keep reminding us that what really counts is what's coming. So let's look at that. I want you to look at the 10, 10, 80. We'll just break it down, all right? It's how we do our finances. 10, 10, 80. Number one, bring the first 10% to God. That's the first 10. Bring the first 10% to God. The Bible calls that a tithe. Tithe just means 10%. Why did God say, bring me 10%? I don't know. Why didn't he say 60% or 40% or 90%? The truth is, all of it belongs to him, right? But see, most of us, we live our lives in a payday cycle. Take a look at this up on the screen. This is our payday cycle. You get paid, and what do we do? I'm a millionaire, right? Treat yourself. OMG, let's go out and eat. You know, some really, let's go fancy. Olive Garden's coming in, you know. No, wait, no, okay, halfway through the month, stop it. I need to be responsible. But look at those shoes. Got to get those shoes, right? Oh no, what have I done? And then the last week of the month is help, 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 right? And, and we kind of live that, that way. And then we look and we say, oh, well, God, there went your quarter, you know? And what the Bible says is, do it differently. I want you to do something differently. Here's the 10, 10, 80. First 10% goes to God. The second 10%, you save. It's important to save because God teaches us that principle all through the scriptures. You know, he says, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. Get ready for it, save. And then you live on the 80%. Now, I know some of you right now, you're going like, man, I can't even live on 100%, right? 
and it's true for a lot of us with some of the car payments that we have and some of the rent or mortgages that we pay, but I want to challenge you. I know it's, I know it's hard because I've been doing it for about 30 years and it's not an easy thing, but let me just tell you something. When you start to get into this 10, 10, 80, you start to get freed up. You start to have some margin. You start to have some space. And I remember way back when Laura and I first got married and, you know, nothing that we had, everything was given to us that we owned, basically. I remember one time having $3 in the bank and we had a big argument because we had $3 in the bank and I thought we could go to the dollar movie, you know? And she wasn't so into that with $3 in the bank. Uh, and, and I wasn't, you know, totally mature, but I had started to learn a principle and I'd started little by little to put it into practice. And as I began to do that, it, it began to change everything. So don't freak out over the 80% number yet, okay? Don't think, I can't do that. I can't live on 80% of my income. I want you to, to follow with me. It's important. If you're going to have financial peace, you're going to have to do some things differently. And seven out of 10 Americans, like I said, have cried over this in recent months, finances. So let's talk just a little bit today about the first 10%. Give the first 10% to God. This reason why we talk about it first is because God said do it first and because it's the most powerful. You know, I know saving is important. I believe living on 80% is important. Look what Exodus 23, 19 says, each year bring to the house of the Lord your God the first grain that you harvest. Literally first fruits. And we hear a lot about first fruits, the first fruits of your soil. It was an agricultural society. It was a shepherding society. So he'd say, bring the first lamb. And, and that's kind of a risky proposition because you bring that first lamb, you don't know if you're gonna have more lambs or not, but God said, bring me the first one. We see sometimes in the Bible, we'll look at in a minute when they were doing like a lot of us do and they were just kind of giving God the leftovers and they were going like, well, you know, they're gonna kill this lamb anyway. This is a sacrifice, so I'm just gonna bring the old sick one, you know? And they had forgotten. They were thinking it was about the temple, but it wasn't. It was about how they esteemed God and their relationship with God and they had forgotten about that. I mean, it just makes common sense, right? To wait till the end and see what you've got left and then, God, here, I wanna give that to you. But it never works. It doesn't work that way because that's not God's principle. God's principle is give to me first because when you give to me first, you show and you remember. You know, like we do communion. He said, I want you to do communion. Why do you go get a, 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 a little cup and a, and, a, and a little wafer? Why do you do that? I mean, the world would say, well, that's just crazy. Why are you doing? That's not crazy to us as believers because it's reminding us it was so cute because Zoe, she's been here. She's been bringing me mine, uh, my communion, but she always brings it to me with the cracker already in the cup because she said it's so much easier that way. But like today, she brought it to me again this morning. But I, you know what I did? I said, Jesus Christ, you died for that little girl and that little boy, Owen, that's right here. And you want relationship with them. And I'm claiming that for them as I drink this cup and cracker at the same time. You know, it's like, and, and I did, and I claimed it, and it was, it was it, 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 it's sweet. 
That's what the tithe is. The tithe is saying, God, all of this is yours, and I already know that. Can I just tell you something? Some of you are going like, I don't know how I can do that, but I want to tell you that it, you're going to find it easier, I promise, to live on the 90% full out for God than on the 100% with you trying to manage it all yourself. There came a point in my life where there was this one time when I just told Laura, I said, we cannot afford to tithe. We just can't. And I was kind of in between jobs early in our marriage. And I, was, I remember I was, trying to, I was trying to sell a few houses or something. And, and um, my father-in-law had given me a, a car. That was what we were driving. And, you know, that was the worst three months of our life. You know, it just in, in so many ways. I mean, everything went wrong. And I'm not saying that it'll always do this. But I think God was trying to show me something like, you don't understand how much my covering of protection is over you. My car even caught on fire. I mean, the engine blazed up like a, I don't know if my father-in-law had planted something in there, you know, or, or, or what it was, but it was like, it was crazy. It was like in the movies. It's just like blazing up and it was in my driveway. I, I had just pulled up and it was doing that. And I ran inside. I, I got a cup of water. I couldn't think, you know. And I run back out and my neighbor's got a fire extinguisher. He's putting it out and I had a cup of water. I go, wow, what happened, you know? Because I want to look stupid. But, you know, it, it was just a crazy three months. And I told Laura after that, I said, we cannot afford not to tithe. You know, we've learned what that looks like and what that, what that means. So it, it's so important to, to know that. I want you to go on this journey of putting God first in your financial life, not for the church, but for your relationship with him. It's you and him. It's really just you and him. That's why when he was saying to those Jewish believers of old, he said, why are you giving me your old sick lambs? Why are you giving me the, 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 you know, the stuff that you stuffed away in the corner that was no good of the crop? I'm your God. I, I, I'm the one that enables you to have life and breath and everything else. Look what Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, the wisest man who ever lived says, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best. And literally, again, very best, there's first fruit. With every increase that comes to you, then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Does that sound good? That sounds so good. I mean, that's a promise from God. Jesus talked about money a lot. Did you know that? He talked about money than he, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined together. Why? Because he knows, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. And he wants our heart. He's really not that concerned about our treasure, but he is concerned about our heart. And he knows our heart follows that. He made us that way. The last verse in in. Luke chapter 16 of finishing all this out, it says this in verse 14. Now the Jewish religious leaders who were listening to Jesus were lovers of money and they laughed at what he said and they mocked his teachings. I think it's so easy to kind of get our defenses up, you know, and, 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 and try to kind of get our, our, our shoulders up a little bit when we talk about this. But I want you to know it's just, I want you to just forget about everybody else in here. It's just about you and God. And he's saying, little son, little daughter, trust me in this. Trust me. 
in this. And I, I think it's important that we understand that. The vast majority of Christians have never done this. That God said, this is my simple principles. If we could get past all the barriers in our hearts to this and, and realize that it's about us and God, really nothing else. And let him be involved in our financial life. So bring the first 10% to God. Here's the second thought I want to talk about just briefly today is that overcome your fears with faith. I read online uh, not long ago that there are two great questions that men fear that their significant other, you know, or, or their wife is, or their girlfriend is going to ask them. That is, number one, what are you thinking? Right, guys? Because, see, they don't understand that sometimes we're just in a nothing box and we think nothing. It's sad but true, ladies. There's nothing in there sometimes. You don't have that. You're like, you know, you're like all over the place. You can never think about nothing. And, and if we got inside your head, it would just like royal us, you know. It'd just be like, but, but guys can think about nothing and we can be happy as a clam in our nothing box. And then you say... What are you thinking? And we know that you won't believe us if we say nothing. Because you don't have a nothing box. So we go crazy. You know, the other one is, do you love me? Do you love me? Now, for some of us in a great relationship, that's easy. But, you know, when I've counseled people, uh, it's been crazy. Because some, like the wife would look at the husband and, and say, do you even love me? And he would go, I'm still here, aren't I? I'm going like, uh, mm -hmm. this is going to be a long session, you know, but we have those kind of, you know, when you love someone, you can't help but just show it. When Laura and I said, I do, I didn't realize real exactly what I was getting into, you know, but it's been the most amazing thing. And I love, I mean, everything that I have is hers. That doesn't really help her that much, you know, but. But everything that I have is hers. The, the cheapest wedding ring that I ever bought her was that very first one. I, I mean, I had no money. I'd spend it all on her going out on dates, you know. And, and so I borrowed $600 from my sister and went and bought a wedding ring. You couldn't see the diamonds. I, I think they were beautiful if you got a magnifying glass, you know. But she loved that little ring. She loved it. She would wear it all the time and Everybody would say, oh, can I see your ring? And they'd hold it out and they'd go, oh. <laughs> and she'd just be me, you know. 10 years, I bought her a, a better ring. At 20 years, I bought her another ring. At 30 years, when we passed our 30-year mark, I could have bought a really nice car, but I bought her this ring, okay? <laughs> and it's a really special ring because it has diamonds in it, but it, it has a crossover kind of thing. And it was symbolic to us that she crossed over in cancer from death to life and that she's with me, you know, and, and, and that I love that. But I loved buying that ring for her. I just, I mean, I'd never spent that much money on any one single little thing like that. And I love, but I loved it because I love her. You see, when you love someone, your actions show it. And talk is kind of cheap, you know, and I, I, I think that, we need to realize, God, I love you. How can I not do this? How can I not be with you in this? And God is going like, and I want to spend forever doing this together. 
I want you to learn how to do this really well now so that practice, practice, practice. We're going to do this forever as I send you out to create new universes or whatever it is he's got for us. We have no idea. It says it's going to blow our mind. Eyes not seen, ears not heard. Mind cannot fathom what God has for us in the forever. The psalmist said this. Psalm 24, 1, the earth and everything on it belongs to the Lord. The world and its people belong to him. Everything belongs to the Lord. Everything on this planet, it's his. The silver and the gold is his. He says, the cattle on a thousand hills, that's all mine. And he says, I'm going to let you manage it for a little while because I want to see who's the faithful manager, who I can put in charge of everything. I'm going to let you manage my stuff for, oh, you thought it was your stuff. See, I made that mistake for a long time, but you don't get to take it with you. It's his stuff. One day it'll be our stuff. He says, I've got some stuff, your own stuff. I've got it for you. But right now that's not what, what we have. I want to manage it well. In the book of Malachi, we see such an interesting Thing. This is when the Jewish people were bringing those old and sick lambs and stuff like that to God. And here's what he said to them in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. He says, bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. And then he says this, test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields, and vegetable gardens against plunderers. This is the message of God of the angel armies. Did you get that? I mean, who wouldn't mind having the floodgates of heaven opened up over us and the blessings poured out? That's what he's saying. He says, I want you to learn this. I want to do this for you. And it's not even just for here and now. It's for the forever as you learn to manage my stuff, as you learn to care about that. Jesus, in this whole passage, he, 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 he says that, basically, he's telling a, a, a parable. And it's a parable, parable about a, a, a manager that wasn't faithful. But when he got caught, he went and he did some really shrewd dealings with the people that owed money. And he said, wow, that was, that was smart. That was crazy. That was tricky. That wasn't right. But he said, why can't the children of God be as smart as that with my stuff? And what he's basically saying is you look around and you see these people and they're focused 24-7, 24-7 on money. Making money, doing what it takes, keeping money, holding money. He said, why aren't we like that with his stuff? And then he says this at the very end of that whole parable. He says, what you need to do, I need you to make friends now with the money you're managing now so that they will welcome you into eternal dwellings. And I I looked at that verse and I was going like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. I I, I don't get that at all. I mean, make friends now so that they will welcome you into 
eternal dwellings. Make friends now with the money that you have now. And then it, it, it kind of hit me all of a sudden. I want you to think about it. The Bible says for all of us believers, there's gonna come a, a judgment. It's called the Bema Seat Judgment. It's not about getting into heaven or not. But, but it, it, it's, we stand before God with nothing. We leave this world with nothing. And it's like we're standing before God just naked. Thankfully, we have a new body, right? You know, so might not be quite so bad. But we're standing before God with nothing. And God's looking at us and I have nothing, nothing to give you. And then all of a sudden, one of the young ladies that was in the brothel in India but came to Christ, she steps up out of the vast crowd behind us and says, because this person gave, I'm here. This person at great cost to themselves did this. The, the Batwa of Burundi, the little ones, used to be called the pygmies that everybody overlooked and said they're not even people. You've made such an impact on them. Only two out of 10 of their kids were living to age five and we've only lost one child in the last seven years among 18,000 of them because of what you've been doing in their lives. And what's crazy is they've, yeah, that's worth clapping for, I think. But what's crazy is that because we've been walking in business and friendship with them, they've stepped into faith. We didn't go over there and go like, hey, you need to trust Jesus, trust Jesus. We just went over there and said, we love you, we care about you. And they go, why? Why do you care about us? No one cares about us. Why you? Because Jesus cares about us. And they started these churches, and they're calling them like community of faith, you know, over there. It's, it's crazy, but the bank that we have in Bujumbura, Burundi, is giving out those microloans and, and loans to, for entrepreneurs to start and giving out $300,000 in loans a month now that you alone started. Yeah, you've poured millions of dollars into the poorest country on the planet. But when you're standing before God one day and he says, hey, there's gonna be these little people that come out and man, can they dance. And they're gonna be dancing and singing and said, it's because of this one that I'm here. You see what it means to make friends in eternal dwellings? Because that's all we're gonna have with us. I long to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Did you know that was about taking care of his stuff? That was about managing. When he gave that parable and it ends with that well done, it's like, how did you manage my stuff that I let you have for a little while? There's a lot of different ways that we're gonna talk about how you can do that. Next week we're gonna talk about saving, okay? But we are gonna have a, you know, a big give at the end of this year and all of it's gonna to go to impact the world around us. Not a penny of it staying here with us. We do that best gift to Jesus all the time. And I wanna encourage some of you, some of you are already rock stars, but you're like, it, the easy way to start giving is to give recurring. Now on the back of your worship guide today, it tells you all how to set that up if you want to do that. So you're going, I can't give 10%. Don't start somewhere, okay? Start somewhere. 2%, 1%, half a percent. I don't know. Now, all the promises of God that he says in Malachi, they kick in at 10%. But start somewhere and let's begin this journey. It's not about the church, it's about you and God.
I want you to close your eyes. Block everyone else out. Can you say, God, I trust you with my finances. I choose to trust you with my finances. See, what's crazy is you've trusted him with your eternal salvation, but Jesus knew sometimes money feels harder than that. I trust you with my finances. I want to start somewhere. I'm asking you to help me start this journey with you. And enable me to do what Mark says. Enable me to get to 10, 10, 80 over the next year or two. Let me be freed up like no one else around me. Let me see you. Let me see what you want to do. And so I pray over you right now. Come kingdom of God upon us. Be done will of God in us. Let nothing stop what you want to do in our lives in this area. I claim a great new freedom over us. In Jesus' name, amen.